1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: For I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, when I am dependent, I am strong. We trust in God, not in our own understanding, not in our own experience. It is God and His will and His word that protects us. I can see the promised land Though there's pain
0: within the plan There is victory
1: in
2: the end Your love is my battle cry The anthem for all my life
1: Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are blessed and honored that you've chosen to spend time with us today, and we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues our study from the Gospel of Matthew, entitled, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. So if you have your Bibles... Please return with us to the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 6. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: We look at Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, the spirit, great spiritual warfare passage, and it says here, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And the word schemes there means strategies. And then it goes on to say, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And what it's talking about there too, as much as it is a direct attack, is a system that has been set into motion to deceive you, to divert you away from God's care and service. We wrestle against the devil and a system And in there is a system of thought and the schemes of the devil. I mean, think about the whole armor of God. You have the helmet of salvation. What does that guard? Your head. The breastplate of righteousness guards your heart. The head was considered the seat of the conscience, the heart the seat of emotions. You have the shield of faith which protects your whole body. And what you begin to recognize here is the battlefield just isn't... The physical battlefield, it's the battlefield of ideas. It's the battlefield of your mind and heart. It's the way you think. In every institution, the authorities and the powers, from government to media to an educational system, wittingly or unwittingly, is in his service. He is, as the Bible tells us, the God of this world. And he is this lion looking for you to wander from the fold so he can pounce. 1 John 5.19 reminds us that the whole world lies under his power. And 2 Corinthians 4 4 tells us that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. See, he's got them. What he wants is, your, is you. And you cannot smart him. You're not, nobody's that smart. You can't overpower him because he's strong. He's crafty. He's cagey. He's deadly. He's vicious. He's murderous. Jesus, speaking to the Jewish leaders, comments on Satan's character as he challenges them and their sin. And in John eight forty four, we read this. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. And listen to this characterization. He was a murderer from the beginning. Cain murdered Abel, right? And has nothing to do with the truth. What did he say to Eve? Has God really said? Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. That is who you're up against. There is no negotiation. There is no cutting a truce with him. He, is, he hates human beings. He hates Christ's followers. He's been a murderer from the beginning. And we have to be careful, on guard, not ignorant of his designs, but mindful because there is no one who is not vulnerable to him. From a man after God's own heart like David to the apostle Peter who swore he would never abandon Christ. We read in 1 Chronicles twenty one eleven. Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. He incited a man after God's own heart. David to number Israel, which had to do with uh, making Israel sort of his personal dictatorship, not relying on the tribal elders to govern their people. He incited David. And in Luke 22, 31 to 32, we read this. Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, look, Satan has demanded to have you. He has demanded to have you. The New American Standard says demanded permission that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned, strengthen your brothers. Now you think about that. You know, Eliot just read a scripture before the, before the preaching part of the service started about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. This is Palm Sunday. And the people shouted, "'Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.'" And Jesus came in riding on the foal of the donkey, surrounded by his disciples, who in a week's time would flee and leave him abandoned. And who Peter, who said, I'll never, I'd give my life for you, to which Jesus said, will you give you my, your life for me, Peter? I tell you, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. Before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. We are vulnerable if we try to do things in our own strength. There is none of us who will not succumb to his tricks if we, if we try to be independent of God's church, of God's people, of God's will, of God's way. If we let our guard down and so we read, protect us from ourselves, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil speaks to two realities, the necessity of God's protection, that we need protection from the evil one, and the necessity of depending upon the right protector. So with this in mind, I want to draw two conclusions from, but deliver us from evil. And the first one is this, understand your need for for protection. You need protection, I need protection. Deliver us. It's not deliver that guy over there, us is the you know is the plural first person like we us the petition gets back to a need a plea to an acknowledgement of our dependence of the weakness of our flesh That there can be no confidence in ourselves, in our education, in our experience, in our years in the faith. Our confidence must be on God for his protection. We cannot trust in our own strengths and abilities. We cannot allow ourselves to deceive ourselves that we're different from other people. We are saved. But when we, when we stray from the flock of God, when we step outside of the circle of his will, the circle of his blessing, we are vulnerable. Jeremiah refers to this in Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24, indirectly. We read this. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty boast in his might. Let not the rich boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. Or as Paul said, be careful if you think you stand lest you fall. We cannot trust in our physical or material resources. We cannot trust in our education. We cannot trust in our accumulated wisdom or our experience. We place no confidence in our flesh we do not we cannot we must not look outside ourselves for our protection we must look to Christ because the devil wants us I remember a baptismal service here not that long ago I think it's been a year or two with the whole COVID thing you lose track of time right but, uh, you know, is it is our custom often, we have a microphone over here, and somebody comes and prays for the person being baptized, says a few words of encouragement or exhortation. And this gentleman was being baptized, and his brother in Christ came up and prayed and said, you know, you have to understand that being baptized here now, you've just put a target on your back because you come out publicly for Christ. And as you step out of Hinduism into the Christian faith... You're, you have a target on your back and the devil is going to come for you. And that's why we read in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to someone to devour. Be clear-headed, be sane. Be watchful, be on guard. And it says, resist him, firm in your faith. Faith in what? Faith in whom? Christ knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Christ's followers are targets. Satan already has the rest of the world. He wants you. He wants us. Therefore, you must understand your need for protection. You cannot take your eyes off of Christ. You cannot separate yourself from the herd, lest the predator Pray upon you. Be sober-minded. Be clear-headed. Be watchful. Be on guard. Lean into Christ. Lean not on your own understanding, but lean on God. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And don't misunderstand me. Satan is not omnipresent. But again, he has help. A third of the angels fell with him. There is a world system that is designed through media, through the even governments which have laws where people don't enforce them or corrupt those laws it's all there he lures us into foolish arguments inside the body of Christ he he gets us to take the bait Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2:23 through 26 says this but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing that they produce quarrels He said goes on to say correcting those who are in opposition if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth and that they might come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. What we have here is an understanding that there are snares snares for the unbeliever and snares for the devil. The unbeliever gets caught up in all the shiny objects and gets distracted away from the truth. And sometimes you get lured into an intramural argument that's going nowhere. Snare of the devil. And so you have to recognize your need for protection. Meaning you have to pray. Lead us not into temptation. Lead me not into temptation. Protect me from me. And protect me, protect us from the devil. So... The first conclusion we drew was recognize your very, very real need for protection. And the second conclusion we draw is to realize, to recognize the identity of your only protector. And it isn't the person that you see in the mirror. When we pray, deliver us from the evil one, deliver us from the evil, deliver us from evil, we are praying to God as our protector, And we need him because we live in a cursed world under sin and battered by evil all around us. And we have to confess, recognize, and understand our own inadequacy to deal with Satan, to deal with the world around us, the impotence of human beings to overcome in their own strength the God of this world. And so we must, above all... Confess our need for protection and deliverance to our Heavenly Father and look to Him for protection because we are needy and we need protecting and He is the only one who can protect us. That is a theme of the Bible from the Old Testament to the New. James sort of summarizes it in James 4, 7 through 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The Lord is our shepherd. We have to stay close to him. We must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some do. We cannot be online forever. We have to be among the brethren, among The brothers and sisters in Christ who will stimulate us and encourage us to love and to good works, putting no confidence in ourselves, but placing our trust in him. Not in our strength, not in our abilities, not in our intellect. And and I, I want to go back to a passage we've discussed before, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Here's the apostle Paul, who if anybody had any reason to trust in himself, he was a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Roman citizen with the full protection of Roman law. He was trained by Gamaliel, the chief theologian of Israel. If there was a guy with a resume and an intellect and connections who would be able to resist the devil in his own strength, it might be Paul, but it wasn't because no one can in their own strength. And so he knew he needed God, that God was his only protector. And so we read this. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, Paul had seen things no human being had seen. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, from trusting in myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself, protect me from me, deliver us from the evil one. Concerning this, concerning this thorn, I implored the Lord three times, Three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected. My power is perfected in weakness. And so what does Paul say? Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak and when I am dependent, I am strong. We trust in God, not in our own understanding, not in our own experience. It is God and his will and his word that protects us. And we must seek God, not resist him. We must must resist the devil. And therefore, we pray like this. We think that like this. And lead us not into temptation, protect us from ourselves and the way we would respond, but deliver us from the evil one, deliver us from the evil system. Because only God is sufficient to help us. And that's why we read in 1 John 4, 4, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in the world Greater is he who is in you, excuse me, than he who is in the world. And so we pray and so we think like this and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, when you think about it, one commentator pointed this out. The Lord's prayer kind of comes full circle. It starts with God and it ends with God. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And deliver me from the evil one, Father. We, we never get away from God. We are in this circle of blessing, this circle of prayer that keeps us thinking in the right way, that we place no confidence in ourselves, but we are confident in God. Our Heavenly Father, our Daddy, our Abba Father is our protector, and we hang on just to His, to Him like a child, like a toddler at the mall, surrounded by a crowd of strangers, clinging close, clinging firm to his father. We cling cling firmly to our heavenly father. And I want to go back to this whole idea about this prayer. This prayer, this prayer is really commanded. Pray then like this, not when you feel like it, When you get around to it, pray. It's not when we pray. It's not if we pray. It's when we pray. Pray then like this. Pray acknowledging your weakness. Implicit in all of the petitions is a thought summarized in a children's hymn. I was looking up the origin just through my other studies of the song, Jesus Loves Me. Most of us have memorized that song. I never knew where that song came from. That song came, of all things, from a Christian novel about, and in this vignette, one of the protagonists, one of the characters is dying. A little child is dying. And I think it's her mother, her caregiver, is reciting a poem to her to comfort her. Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, little ones to him belong They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. It was a novel written in 1860. Somebody extracted the poem out of it, set it to music, and we've been singing it ever since. And it reminds us that we are his little ones, that we need his protection, that only he can protect us and only he can see us safely home. And therefore, we must pray then and think then like this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We must pray day in and day out. Pray without ceasing. Because prayer is that slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. When we pray, we activate something that we don't fully understand. Prayer is our right as a child of God. It is our duty as a servant of the king. And it is a means of protection. Whether we dash off a prayer like Nehemiah, when Artaxerxes said, what is it you want? He says, and I prayed to the Lord my God and I answered the king. Or whether we pray like Daniel, Paul, or Jesus, an extensive prayer. We need prayer because we need God. And Jesus, the master of prayer, the perfect example of a praying person, has given us an outline for us to color in the details of our needs in our lives in a childlike expression of faith, of love, dependence, and worship. Prayer is an exercise, an enterprise that harmonizes our thoughts with his thoughts. It marries our will to his will. It helps us find our place and purpose in his redemptive plan. And it serves as a catalyst to unleash the power of God in our lives. And Therefore, we must pray then like this. You know and what, you know what I'm also reminded of? Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey me. And he has said, pray then like this. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, who are we that you would care and listen to us? We are so small and you are so big. We are so sinful and you are so perfect and sinless. And yet, You've called us to pray. You've told us how to approach you, how to talk to you, our Heavenly Father, how to put your will first in our lives, how to depend on you day by day, inch by inch, for the strength we need for each trial. How to see our sin and confess it. Understanding how much forgiveness we need so that we are inclined to forgive others. And Father, how to to lean in and lean on you for protection for you are our only protector oh God help us to seize the opportunities to cry out to you in prayer to rejoice to you in prayer to sing to you in prayer to pray then to think then as you have prescribed that we might bring you glory that we might bring good to others and grow through the process through the practice of prayer. Teach us to pray, O God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org.